everybody, and welcome to Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is your host with the motherfucking most, TJ Bowser, and joining me is my doppelganger, Kangabanga from Down Under, Mr. Barodi Kane. Howdy, howdy, my mother lickers. We do not got a third wheel today. Matt pulled out last minute, and yesterday's recording got lost, so we're here back for take two of 1984's Razorback. But first, you know what time it is. It's time for your slice of life. Brother Kane, what did you do, brother? Well, like I say every week, mate, um, work, 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 work. It's basically Groundhog Day down here. Um, although I did, I actually wanted to treat myself with some uh, Blu-rays this week. So I bought from 88 Films, Ooh. Scarecrows from 1988. An absolute classic. Yes. Definitely one of my favorite, well, kind of slasher flicks. Um, and also, not to mention, I did happen to buy Jeepers Creepers, the first one on Blu-ray. Yes. Uh, especially especially with all this hype uh, from the new one. That's Lots of it. That's been coming out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what the, the, the new film brings to the table, um, especially being a new director and all. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, other, other than that, Nothing much with me, mate. Same old, same old. What about yourself, Mr. Bowser? Well, the same as you. I got some new Blu-rays. Today I got the Jaws 4K, American Psycho 4K, and I got next week's episode, which I'll announce a little early, which is Green Room. And then my big old Vinegar Syndrome order finally came in, and that included the uh, 4K Beastmaster, 1992's Hellmaster, Body Melt, Forgotten Jolly Volume 1, the Corruption of Chris Miller, Night Beast, and their February package that included Forgotten Jolly 3, The Fear, and Hitcher in the Dark. Ooh, I like The Fear. That's an old nostalgia classic for me. I hope that we do uh, Hitcher in the Dark on the show at some point uh, by Umberto Lenzi, only because you love The Hitcher so much, and to see an Italian version of that and to show you that and to see a reaction would just be mwah, legit. yeah i I would actually watch that in a heartbeat to be honest i love that uh road games type of film so yes sir bring it on bring it on absolutely so uh we got a lot of cool stuff coming at you over at projectlouder.net your source for pop culture and so much more but onward and upward with today's show and that is about 1984's razorback directed by russell mulkey he also directed Highlander in 1986, Rambo 3 in 1988, Silent Trigger in 1996, and Resident Evil Extinction in 2007. Brody, uh, you have something to say about the Rambo? Yeah, I see. I, I didn't realize that he was a, a part of that film until we did dug up a little information about him. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention the Rambo 3 thing because obviously it caught me off guard that Russell directed. But... Um, I found out that due to creative differences between the producers, uh, Stallone and Mulcahy himself, um, there was just two weeks of extreme tension on set um, and he threw the towel in and states that on an interview with Daily High News that at the time I was also approached by Dino De Laurentiis for Total Recall. But when Sly called me to offer the film to me, I, I responded like a fan to his idol and immediately said yes without thinking. So all these creative differences between the producers and Sly, yeah, didn't really work for um, Mulcahy and, yeah, basically threw the tail in in a heartbeat. Um, but I really would have loved to have seen uh, what he brought to the table mm-hmm. in that film. I think it, I think there's actually 20 minutes of footage of his work in, in Rambo. Still. Yeah, in Rambo. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Look for I, the shots that, that have the extra nice cinematography. Uh, <laughs> yeah. or, a, or a dream sequence yes <laughs> fucking a so writers everett d roche right yep yep who That's is correct. known for 1978's patrick 1978's long weekend 1981's road games and 2007's storm warning Woo! all that. four classic films right there you got the first three that tarantino highly praise and uh Storm Warning is definitely one that flew under the radar for um, so many. Um, if you're a fan of uh, the director's work, that uh, is, I think it's Jamie Blanks. 
that did Valentine, Urban Legend. Um, yeah, he created Storm Morning. So definitely a little doozy for y'all to suss out. Cinematographer Dean Semler, who did 1981's The Road Warrior and then won an Oscar in 1990 for his work on Dances with Wolves. And of course, 1993's Last Action Hero and 1995's The Waterworld. Watch the producer's cut. Cha-cha-cha! <laughs> Music by Iva Davies, lead singer of Ice House, which Brody tells me is very big down there. That is correct, mate. Yes. He Absolute all- bangers. He also worked on Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World in 2003, and then he lended some uh, tracks here to uh, various films. Uh, Modern Girls in 1986, the song No Promises. Young Einstein in 1988, the song Great Southern Land. And of course, 1996's Space Jam with the song Wild. This had a budget of 5.5 million Australian dollars. And let's get into this cast. Starring Gregory Harrison as Carl Winters. You may know him from Fraternity Row in 1977 or North Shore in 1987. Cadillac Girls in 19. 19- 93. Archie Whiteley as Sarah Cameron from 1981's The Road Warrior, Scandal in 1989, and A Dinner of Herbs in 2000. The legendary Bill Kerr as Jake Cullen. Uh, he's best known for his work in Gallopoli from 1981, The Pirate Movie in 1982, and Peter Pan in 2003. Chris Haywood as Benny Baker. He's known for his work in 1988's The First Kangaroo, Tom Selleck's 1990s fucking hit, Quigley Down Under. And 1997's Kiss or Kill. And of course, David Argue as Deco Baker. Shout out to Glenn Cochran. That's your best mate. Gallopoli, 1981. <laughs> BMX Bandits in 1983. And Roadkill in 2010. Judy Morris as Beth Winters. She did the picture show in 1977. And then she goes on to write Babe Pig in the City in 1988. And then goes on to write Happy Feet 2006 and the sequel. Fucking A. John Howard is Danny. His work includes 1980's The Club, Young Einstein in 1988, and to finish this off, Mad Max Fury Road from 2015. Ooh, not a bad little resume there. So, let's have the Aussie read the plot, plot, plot rundown. All right. A wild, vicious pig terrorizes the Australian outback. The first victim is a small child who is killed. The child's granddad is brought to trial for killing the child but acquitted. The next victim is an American TV journalist. Her husband Carl gets there and starts to search for the truth. The local inhabitants won't really help him, but he is joined by a hunter and a female farmer to find the beast. Now, this motherfucker actually won some awards now, didn't it, Brody? That it did. Uh... The Australian, uh, was it Film and Television Awards? Something like that. The AACTA Awards in 1984. That is an anagram that Brody looked up yesterday. Uh, (laughs) We'll get that to you here in a little bit. But it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, and Best Production Design, and Best Sound. But it won Best Cinematography and Best Editing. And then also that same year... Dean Semler won Cinematographer of the Year from the Australian Cinematographer Society, and the Avoriaz Fantastic Film Festival nominated it for its grand prize. Very nice indeed. Cleaning up. Fucking A. So, Brody, you know what time it is? Oh, I know what time it is. Let's get physical! Okay, so the definitive release, we're going to say it here, is the Umbrella Entertainment release from August 1st, 2018, and it includes a 1080p transfer. Audio is the DTS HD 5.1, and it includes an audio commentary with director Russell Mulkey and Shane Armstrong, audio interview with actor Gregory Harrison, Jaws on Trotter featuring interviews with Russell Mulkey, producer Hal McElroy, Razorback creator Bob McCarran, composer Dave... Iva Davies, cast Judy Morris and Chris Haywood. Extended interviews with cast and crew from Mark Hartley's Not Quite Hollywood. Terrific, Daco. Absolutely. A certain piggish nature, looking back at Hell, uh, fucking Hellraiser, Razorback. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> Grizzly deleted scenes with new optional audio commentary and Razorback, the VHS cut, the original uncut 4 3 Australian home video version. Brody loves it. I can't stress it enough. If you're going to watch it, check this out for the gore, violence. Just, yeah, it's great. It looks like shit. Yeah. But if you want that sweet, sweet violence, 
treat yourselves. Yes. Also includes the theatrical trailer, VHS trailer, and image gallery. Okay, Brody, some additional information. What do we got, brother? Well, I didn't realize this, but it was adapted from a 1981 novel by Peter Brennan. So Peter Brennan, I couldn't really find too much information on, but he was an American journalist that just happened to write Razorback. Um, Director Russell Mulcahy woke up extremely early for the first day of the shoot, went up into the hills, threw up and said, Christ, what the hell am I bloody doing? Now, he never states why, but personally, I believe it was due to the fact that of the pressure of time, money involved on the film shoots, you know, compared to music videos, um, and especially that they don't really need a narrative and translating the direction of directing professional actors with a story to tell on a bigger scale of production. There's just so much difference in between a music video and an actual theatrical film. Um, Producer Hal McElroy states that less is more and Jaws was a prime example of that. We took a leaf out of Spielberg's book because there's a lesson there for us. It's more mysterious, more threatening, and more interesting if we see less of it. Yeah, and I think that that definitely lended uh, to the effectiveness of this film, especially the pig scenes. Absolutely. But I, I even think, like, as we spoke about behind the scenes, like, the story structure of this film is basically Jaws on land. Yeah, with some stuff it. rearranged. Pretty much. And yeah. the explosion at the end stopped by a two by four. <laughs> uh, uh, Russell Mulcahy wanted Jeff Bridges for the lead role, but produ- uh, producer Hal McElroy didn't think that he was a big enough star, to which McElroy states, I believe at the time the distributors, Warner Brothers, said no. So he was pretty quick to handball that then. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time that the Razorback was introduced on set was the scene where Judy Morris, a.k.a. Beth Winters, mm-hmm. is sitting in her car after the attack on her by the Baker brothers. This terrified her and the crew to which they made up a dummy of her for the Razorback <laughs> to tear into and eat her. Upon filming this scene, the whole cast and crew were absolutely shocked to see the realism of one being eaten by an extremely large Razorback. During the editing most of this scene ended up on the floor. However, as we spoke before about the uncut version, if you watch that, you will see much of the gore and, and effects to which, as I said, I highly recommend you should. Fucking A. Rob McCarran designed the extremely huge Razorback as an animatronic to which his inspiration for the design was to travel to the zoo. Look at rhinos and Razorback pigs. <laughs> We don't have Razorback pigs at the zoo. I'll just fucking, I'll state that now. If you want Razorback pigs, you go out in the bush and you sort sort that out. But um, upon collaborating with director Muscle, uh, Russ, stroking out here, Russell Mulcahy, <laughs> he states that I love the design. However, I probably should have made it grungier and more decayed just due to the fact that it looked a little too furry for my liking. <laughs> Rob McCarran also states that if I was to remake the film today, I'd probably make him a little bit more mutated and maybe suffer from a few Fucking more a. diseases, which would have made Russell a very happy man in hindsight. Um, there were six pigs designs on set for different camera shots, some including the silhouetted pig made from soft rubber and polystyrene foam for long-distance shots, the head obviously for close-up shots, which was mounted to a trolley with eight people standing behind it to um, operate its mechanics. Uh, The full beast for wide shots, Mm -hmm. the ramming pig made from solid steel with fur on it for dolly tracks, the catapult ramming pig, which was the same design, but it could be propelled. Ran through the house uh, at the beginning. Yeah, Yeah. for the SFX department and the infamous running pig that cost a whopping $250,000 redos to make but only to never work and show up in one scene for a measly one second. And uh, I don't think we have it in the notes, but uh, there is a scene where we see the uh, Razorback walk up on the hill and it's the world's biggest pig at the time, but it's like a a, a normal farm pig. And they put a giant, (laughs) and what they did was they uh, put it to sleep and they casted a giant like suit to put on this pig and then they also casted its teeth and made dental implants so they dressed this actual pig up 
and had it walk. So there's one scene where you see it, and that's the scene where she's looking through the viewfinder or the uh, picture thing, the camera, and uh, she sees it up in the horizon, and that's an actual pig with full razorback getup. Fucking hell. And that's actually really fucking effective and cool it shot. Is. It actually, yeah, it looks It looks so like real. a fucking Razorback. It's the only way that's going to be achievable <laughs> at this time to make it look at like a natural fucking animal's doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that would have been made more sense. Yeah. Um, the extremely beautiful and exceptionally talented Arky Whiteley, who plays Sarah, did not want to do the outside nude scene, Ooh. to which Russell Mulcahy said to SFX designer Rob McCarran, you have one week to convince her, mate. <laughs> Rob, Rob states that upon talking to Argy that the day of filming, he had let it slip that he'd seen the model to replace her, to which Argy asked him, what was she like? Rob's response was, she had a lovely body, but there was a problem, to which he then walked out of the trailer. Argy rushed out and asked him, what was the problem? He responded to say that there was too much cellulite on the bum. Aki immediately chose to do the scene. <laughs> Fucking A. I just loved how Russell was like to the SFX designer. That's you can talk to her about that. That's in yeah. your you you can sort the, sort all that out. He's too busy puking on hills, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh the dream sequence was a huge cha- uh, chance for Mulcahy to eat mm-hmm. up with his visual creativity that in some of the shots of extreme color tones and textual patterns. Pieces of painted glass were shown from the camera to create a wild Australiana wasteland that even had Steven Spielberg ring him up and ask how he achieved some of the effects in the dream sequence. However, Russell hung up on Spielberg thinking it was a prank call (laughs) only to have Spielberg call Russell again and convince him that he was the real (laughs) deal. (laughs) And that was because of the moons, huh? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I think that's just beef. No, that is during the dream sequence. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Now, is yeah. that a horse that chases him? Is that a, the skeleton of a horse that comes out? Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. Yeah. Firstly, we see it on the side, then it comes out of the ground. Yeah. That's um, that's awesome. It's I fucking really, really wild. That's that. That's such a standout scene. I love rubber reality scenes, and they were like super hot around this time. But it's crazy because this is before Nightmare on Elm Street, so this is pretty uh, nightmarish. Before nightmarish was uh, cool, you know. Yeah, I'd love to hear a few directors around the world and see if actually Razorback inspired them. Just different directors. Mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be interesting. That scene Tarantino is absolutely. Are you ready for it? Exquisite. That's what that oh, scene is. Mate. Absolutely, one hundred and ten percent. The original cut of the film was graphically violent. That most of the scenes ended up on the floor, which Mulcahy states they toned the film down, to which definitely hurt the film. There's even one scene where Bill Kerr gets his face chewed off by oh, the Razorback. So cool. Which is probably, yeah, easily the best death, best death scene in this fucking film. It's great. Yeah, I love it. It's like uh, sucking chicken skin off a drumstick. And he's like still it. looking at the yeah. camera. It's so good. And the, and the way his eyeball is still looking at the camera as yeah. he's just sitting there screaming with no face. And we mentioned just earlier in the notes that Warner Brothers was constantly meddling and stuff already. And this is, again, uh, one of their doings that they were uh, constantly turning in scenes for approval and stuff and that they were getting uh, – either cut back and stuff and it's you know it happens all the time in film especially whenever you're you're somebody like this who's like a first-time feature film director and a lot of your funding is coming from an outside source especially in other country it tends to you tend to be at the discretion of what they want especially the producers in this situation especially somebody as big as warner brothers in the 80s this is uh at least okay as much as I'm shitting on them right now, I, I'm happy that the VHS cut exists in some form, so we always yeah. have that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, and to Umbrella Entertainment for releasing that, we thank you so much. I hope that uh, that same negative that we that well that they used to scan for this Blu-ray, if that it was a negative. Uh, we weren't purview to the information on the Blu-ray that that it was a 35 negative or anything like that. But if it was. If we could get a possible 4K release in the future from like imprint films, that would be the gold right there. This film, with the film grain find out and color correction done, would just look fantastic. 
absolutely. It's even if you don't like the story or whatever about the film, you got to give it to the film that it's a fucking amazing cinematography uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Like the visuals of this film, as I said, yeah, if you don't like the film, you're going to have to appreciate the fact that this film looks amazing. So, oh, it's so easy on the eyes. Can do. Oh, it's so sexy. It's smooth. Ooh. I love it. Okay, so let's talk about it. Okay, Brody, what's your favorite performance of the film? Oh, well, I'm going to have to go with Jake, Bill yes. Kerr. He um, just, you know, due to the fact that we really sympathize for his character from that beautifully shot and uh, devastating opening scene. Um, you know, I've never really heard of Bill Kerr before until this film, and my God, he just delivers a powerhouse performance. Um, he, he, and he drives the film into enemy territory, mm-hmm. but he just he just chews like he just yeah chews through each scene that he's in. You know, he just chews it all up. And to be honest, I would have been happy with just a Jake movie by himself. But however, like I do love the direction that Mulcahy uh, took this film into, like. Uh, with with all the uh, different personalities of Australia and that that sort of tie into one one little story, so yeah, no, Jake, that'd be Jake for me, mate. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, so uh, I will also agree with you and say Jake. Uh, I think the scene, and I'll mention it later, uh, where he is in like the watering hole and it's all muddy and stuff, and then they uh, Dicko and the boys, what's his brother's name, Benny. Uh, they and, yep. cut up his knees so he can't walk anymore, and he kind of has to really do a lot of physically laboring things. And we see Bill really turn out a, a very awesome performance here. You really can feel it and see it on his face, the pain that he's going through. And I think that all the way leading up to the end, which is a very Quint-like death, uh, may I say, is just so cool. His storyline as a whole is really cool. Again, just like Quint, I think that... uh Bill Kerr is just really, really awesome. And then secondly, I will have to say Dicko uh, in another opposite side of the performance. He's absolutely bonkers off his fucking noggin. And I think that even in the uh, the documentary included on this, uh, the guy who plays Benny says that he should have played Captain Jack Sparrow because it's just the same <laughs> thing that he has that Johnny Depp has that just gives them that creativity and that will give them that edge to portraying these characters. And I think that that's absolutely right. Not on maybe don't I don't agree that he should play Jack Sparrow, but I think that this guy has something and he has it, whether whatever the fuck that is. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, that was my my second choice, uh, mainly due for the reason that um, he was just batshit crazy. And also, I never never mentioned it's on that documentary is the fact that uh, the director would tell uh, David to do his lines with Bill Kerr in some scenes and he would just sort of ad lib and yep. go off track. And uh, Bill would be like, what Bill the fuck? Was actually, yeah, what the fuck? What are you doing, mate? And um, and he was just sort of like, the, the ball's on him to do that, you know, but I think he was sort of trying out Russell being a first time director and um, David obviously being in a few films before it. So yeah, no, da- David definitely brings that, um, as you said, batshit crazy performance in it. And and that's what Russell did very well with these characters here. He hit basically on the head uh, of what some of well, there's a shit ton of those Australian uh, blokes down here that act exactly like him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what yeah Russell did so well with this film. And we see this this formula replicated in films to co- to come years in the past. I mean, uh, we we've mentioned Body Melt, uh, Death Warmed Up. Like this, this redneck Aussie type thing is just, you know, these guys perfected it, you know, even if they might have even started it, but it, it's definitely influenced work later on. Absolutely. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be an Australian horror film without a mutated uh, son of a bitch in it, or not to mention you get uh, double the trouble in this film, the two brothers. That'd be uh, a hell of a countdown. Top five favorite Aussie uh, mutant families. Yeah, that's. Actually, I might look into that. That's, that sounds actually – that could be something we could end up doing <laughs> for future content, mate. That'd there be cool. Go. We're actually uh, – I will say this right now, little sidebar. Uh, Brody actually wanted to do a couple sidebars this episode, so let's do it. Uh, Brody and I are working on this little thing 
where we play a bunch of trailers of movies that we saw and we kind of talk about them. And it's mostly uh, films that exist within a subgenre. So like slashers, supernatural, uh, Jallo, stuff like that, different things within horror or even action, comedy, stuff like that, where we just go through and we talk over uh, these trailers, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style, and kind of give you all the information, little quick rundowns within that little two or three minute time frame that we have. Uh, I think that would be fun. I think it would be a cool way to do long form content and also do some video content as well. Brody? Absolutely. Um, when P- TJ pitched this idea to me, I was definitely uh, down for it. I think it's a great idea. Um, there's going to be a lot of swearing in on my end. Uh, <laughs> I'll be just getting frustrated left, right, and center trying to. Yeah, think of something to say about a two-minute trailer. Um, but no, I think, I think it's going to be great. It's going to um, – we, we hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a doozy. Fucking A. Okay, so next question is favorite set piece. Oh, that's a that's a tough one because there's a couple in here, but I'd have to go with Pet, ba- uh, pet Pack. Yes. I think that's what it's called, yeah. Um, just such a dark and downright gritty – mess that oh shower mate that, yes. <laughs> oh, you can smell it through the tv you can smell it then yeah. just uh, actually a little fun fact they actually used real sheep carcasses carved as kangaroos yummy and, uh, oh my god that smell left there for like they they left them there filming for a couple of days to which some of the uh, crew members got sick um, yeah so a nasty not only was it yeah not only was it a bloody uh, fun time on set, but it was actually like a real, real uh, kangaroo slaughterhouse. So, yeah, I'd have to go with Pet Pack just for that that reason in itself. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the same thing. I think Pet Pack is just absolutely filthy. I think that it's it in the same way that like uh, the Sawyer family house feels, or even some uh, fuck. What else could we compare the feeling of this to? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm just gonna say uh, I, Sawyer's yeah. house. That's pretty. It's pretty much on point. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, fucking no. gross. And I also like that. Like this movie. Uh, I will say my second choice is the Outback. This movie utilizes fog a lot, and like even in the dock, they say that like it was just crazy just to even see the fog and the amount that they did in order to create some of these shots. And you see a lot of steam and fog within the pet pack facility, which kind of adds the aura and the atmosphere within it because there's so much going on. It's it's almost like this chaos every time you're in there mixed amongst all these rotting corpses and even t- more terrifying people and these chains hanging down again. You get that hardcore Sawyer vibes because just bodies everywhere. It's it's crazy. And, you know, a lot of the scenes that we see shot within the pet pack facility are shot really well. And I think that uh, it shows you so much of it. But by the time that you're done watching the movie, you kind of feel like you've been there. And I think that that's what makes it so effective. And, you know, the cinematography without it doesn't even really need to be said that uh, of the Outback is beautiful. Anytime you put film to the Outback, it's going to look fucking great. Now you put Russell Mulkey on film in the Outback motherfucker you got a recipe for something really really tasty and that's what this is so absolutely i will go back and just mention uh when uh dicko and benny meet carl for the first time and you see dicko scraping out all the guts and blood yes, and all that yes. shit you really you really feel it really smell it want to give him a hand and he's, <laughs> yeah welcome to pet pack and he's eating a fucking sanger he's eating a sandwich <laughs> oh my god Fucking A. So, brother, favorite scene slash shot? Um, I'd have to go with Jake and Carl talking about the Razorbacks in that little shack. Um, it's just extremely well lit, uh, especially through the boards of the little shack. Um, and, and it's a scene that really showcases Bill Kurt, as I said before, chewing up the scene with incredible and believable performances like if it's not the dialogue, it's definitely his physical persona and especially in his actions and his expressions, like his face. Whenever he's not speaking, you you definitely feel for his – He puts see. off a lot of big dick energy. Absolutely, yeah. He he just powers through this movie. Like, like I said, I just would have been happy with a Jake movie mm-hmm. as by himself, but – yeah, I'd have, I'd have to. But if you say, take this yeah, character yeah. archetype, it's always good. Duke, Creighton Duke from Jason Goes to Hell. Quint. Absolutely. Uh, yep. This guy. Like, 
fucking yeah. right. Like <laughs> it, 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 it definitely hits you uh, for six when you see him like uh, get taken out. Like yeah. in the third act. And that's the whole like that that character, if if the movie's good, they do that character justice. L- like I said, uh, Creighton Duke, you want to draw comparisons to Bill Kerr's character this in this film of Creighton Duke, is that they both have something happen to their family. Now they're hell bent on searching to find this this uh animal or this thing, and then he finally finds it, even though it ends up being the destruction of him. He uh, you know? He goes down swinging, and I think that that's the whole point of these characters, these big, strong male characters, and then they finally obliterate it, almost kind of like the, the whole Moby Dick uh, whale thing going on. So Absolutely. And, and a, even the actions to his death, it, it just goes to show you that, like, like um, basically the Razorback uh, – Razorback well, don't we, care. We, that, that's, that's right. Yeah, he don't care. But we are basically represented as a monster ourselves. Mm-hmm. But like we we see, we see some of ourselves as the monster and the animal and creature type thing. So I thought that was pretty cool how they played that off, just mm-hmm. the two different styles of that. Yeah. What what about yourself, mate? Oh, so the whole pig watering hole scene I think is like really cool and then having it end with the death of Jake Cullen is absolutely uh fucking cool and yeah I just think it's it's such an effective scene and the way it's shot and framed is just really really well and I love the shots of uh like the establishing shots of the various settings it's so cool everything's so cool I love uh like the pit that that one shot of during the chase scenes of all the pits and knowing that those those are from opal mines and that's why that they're there and it's like oh it's not here so I'm gonna go two feet and dig oh it's not here I'm gonna go two feet and dig and it just creates this really interesting and fun landscape that we get to see an awesome chase sequence through so I mean yeah I mean all this can be lended back to uh, Mr. Semler and Mulkey because they do some great work absolutely bloody oath. Another one of my favorite scenes actually was another Jaws comparison actually would be that scene where the guy's sitting there and he's watching television and it's actually a callback to a previous scene where you see a guy sitting there watching television, a bunch of ruckus goes on and you see uh, the Razorback eat a bunch of food, uh, meat out of his cellar, right? Yep, out of his pen, out the back. Yeah. And then he uh, chains, like, puts up this whole contraption and, like, this net and chains and stuff. And then, for some reason, it's attached to the corner of his house. And, again, the Jaws comparison here, kind of like that scene where he puts the the uh, the holiday roast in, in the water and it takes half the dock. And, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, the Razorback, takes half his fucking house and the TV continues to play as it gets ripped off into the night into the outback. Oh, just, yeah, it's just those comedic elements that... Um break up the movie and i think yeah that was a that was a perfect example of it um even if we um go to the scene where they're all at the pub waiting there with guns yes yes uh, yes for the razorback and they all run out jump in their cars and take off down the road and his car's bloody gone someone's nicked his car (laughs) the camel comes out of nowhere it's like (laughs) it's in frame he's like follow my car (laughs) <laughs> dude that is that the same camel that we see eat, uh drinking out of the bar earlier i'd like to say it is yeah, yeah. especially uh, i think it was even yeah when that bloke's on the camel with the boom box as well i think that's all the same the same one yeah that's fucking rad that is uh that whole thing is so like tremorsy right you know it's like uh, walter chang's fucking perfection valley type thing like it's, it's so wild because like i wonder I wonder if that's an, like a, a whole real town or some of it's set. It makes you want to, yeah. No, that that's a that's a real town. That it's, pub is real. It's all real. Yeah, you can actually, yeah, you can actually go there. It's got the Mad Max Two car out the front. Oh, is the uh, the town the same name? Is that or is that made up? Uh, I think it's actually called Silverton, uh, Silverton, Silvertown, Silverton, okay. or something. Yeah, it's it's um in New South Wales, uh, west of Sydney. Yeah. Um, I think it's Broken Hill. Broken Hill is the area, but yeah, that that's right uh, where they shot Mad Max too. So yeah. you, you'll see the Ford Interceptor at the front of the pub if you go there today. And that that scene, you know, you mentioned where everybody's sitting there, and then uh, 
they're at the pub and then like they have the the uh scanner the little the tracker thing that's almost like the scene where you see all the the boaters uh and jaws when they go out yeah it's it's crazy man it's crazy it's got all the good stuff it's got all the good stuff uh you gotta love uh, that it. would have been an interesting conversation between uh Mulcahy and spielberg yeah comparing the pair right so you took all my best parts and you put it down under and rearranged, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Favorite effect slash death. Brita Kane. Well, I keep mentioning Jake. I keep bringing him up. Yes. Um, but that whole water pump shed scene, um, it just builds all of that tension up to deliver an awesome payoff. Okay. Um, just by having the Razorback not only like smash through the shed, but just chew, chewing Jake's face off like it's intense, downright disturbing, and um, it's fucking glorious. What can I say? I, I can't stress this enough. You, you check out the deleted gore scenes or perhaps yes. the VH version uh, for nostalgia fix. You will not be disappointed, but yeah, the uh, even the aftermath, scene. the Italian like throwback with the with the like the bugs in the eyes and stuff. It's so gnarly. Like it should have yeah. been in there. You know what I mean, man? Absolutely. I lo- I love how it's all in a matter of like ten minutes. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's just got like creatures. But all I think that they do those types fucking- of things to really like put into you like this. The outback is not a safe place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You aren't safe down here. Don't so, come down this way. There's a couple different scenes that I want to mention for this one. And uh, like like we said, the, the face rip scene and then the VHS footage and stuff. So the other one I want to mention is the scene of Beth Winter's character whenever she gets uh, eaten in the car. I think that that is just absolutely gratuitous and nasty and fucking gory as hell, especially when you see her getting lifted up and bounced and repeatedly slammed against the roof of the car. And whenever you watch the extended scene of that as well, which actually was removed because the tusk looked too phallic. So like every other producers in the US at this time, they were removing things that remotely look like penises. But if you watch the normal version, <laughs> you see a little bit more stuff go on in that car. And it's a little bit more than just her getting her that little dramatic drag at the end. Uh, it's cool. It's really rad. And then, of course, Dicko's death, which is completely hacked to hell in the theatrical version. If you go back and watch the VHS cut, it is done really, really well. So pretty much he gets pushed up against the wall. And for some reason, he thought it was a good idea to put his foot inside the Razorback's mouth for some sort of leverage. That then gives the Razorback leverage to do whatever the fuck he wants to him. So Dicko's gets ripped apart and shit. That's a really cool death as well. So I just wanted to mention all three of those because so much cooler stuff uh, if you go watch that other cut. Absolutely. It, 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 uh, it was so satisfying to see that motherfucker get eaten, though. Yeah, absolutely. The the film, I, I had enough of his shit. Dicko so. was a dick. That's that's right. He, he was a piece of shit. And as I, as I said, Russell did so well with these characters. Like, you actually really hated this motherfucker so yes absolutely so what's your thoughts on story man well yeah i having it as i've told you numerous times like it is my favorite australian horror film um and overall i think yeah obviously it's an incredible film uh it definitely serves its purpose as not only a horror film but it represents uh the, these different personalities of the 80s australian culture uh-huh. you know that was a huge thing that Mulcahy not only got right but he needed to get that right and the attention to detail with the outback and the characters as i've said felt believable um yeah it, it was a film that was a way ahead of its time especially in australian cinema oh um, save that save it save it for the next one Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As as I said, overall, I think it's great. I, I, I honestly, yeah, I think this took the, took it to to the next level down this way. Fucking A. What about yourself, mate? I think the story, like we said, uh, constantly drawing comparison to Jaws and other films. I think that these characters are lovable, likable, rememberable. Most importantly, uh, like other films of this genre. Well, not actually not like many films of this genre because it's pretty hit or miss, huh? With these creature features like this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with the characters. It's so hard to nail a memorable character. And I think uh, Bill Kerr's character is just awesome. The Peter Cullen thing. Is that what his name is? 
uh, is it Bill Bill Kerr? Bill Kerr is what's Jake, his what's his fucking Jake Jake, Jake Cullen. Cullen. Peter Cullen yeah. is fucking Twilight. What am I fucking thinking? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a 4K of that coming out soon. Of all those yeah, movies, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I know you're excited for him, bud. So. Uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Stop telling her, listen. <laughs> Brody was totally hashtag Team Edward. I mean, <laughs> he's fucking. I'm looking forward to the Batman. I don't care what anyone says. I think he's going to bring something special. So, absolutely, dude. Me too. I'm excited for that as well. It's always cool to see a new take on something that we love so, so, so much. Absolutely. As long as he makes it his own Batman. And by the time we do our next episode, the Snyder Cut will be out. God yeah, damn. buddy. Hopefully, hopefully I get that down this. Did way. you see the tease today? No, I didn't. They actually. showed Dark Side's uh, like death laser beam, like the, like the weird. <sighs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's gonna go down. It's gonna go down. So back to Razorback. Yeah, thoughts on Story Man? I think it's just fucking fantastic, and it's it's definitely one of the better ones. Thank you for showing me this, and thank you for uh, nominating it for the show. No worries. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't stress this enough for anyone to watch. If you, yeah, um, and I'm glad you got to finally watch it because I've been hassling you for so long. So <laughs> it's a good opportunity to chuck it on the show. Fucking a impact and takeaways. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think. Um, as I was going to say before, like it was a way ahead of its time, uh, especially in Australian cinema, mm-hmm. uh, just due to that incredible cinematography. I think Mulcahy just come off shooting music videos with Queen or Elton, Elton John, Duran Duran, all these high-profile uh, bands and that. So, yeah, it, it basically took Australian cinema to great lengths, I find, after this. Um, it's an intriguing look into the outback. Um and by basically, you know, it flips Jaws, the story of Jaws on its head, mm. and you put a monster or a creature on land. But um, yeah, the, I'm kind of sad we don't have a cool name for the pig like we do Bruce. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, it sucks. We need to name yeah, the pig well, on the show and sell shirts with the pig's name. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, LCA uh, merch. Yeah, fucking a. We'll get on that soon, guys. So let us know if you want it. Yeah. Oh, the, the the one thing I really really like about this is that there's when you when you want really want to break down the story, there's basically three groups of people. You know, you got your publicans, you've got Jake's crew, and then you got the uh, Baker brothers. But the Razorback has all these situations and events and impacts that they all it ties them all together by the time the credit rolls. So, uh-huh. and, and and it's that undertone of like that we are all the same, like the creatures and the humans, animals, whatever. We are all the same. And in the case, it's us being hunted for once in this scenario, you know, Um, and the Baker brothers are represented as these monsters. I actually think they're the real villains of the film by the time the credits roll. Um, Yeah. That's what I, that, that, that's what I really took away from this film. And I think Mulcahy did a great job. Okay, so Impact, you know, having a guy, like you said, who isn't used to shooting this style of film before and then having him go in fucking just balls deep and prove himself on a feature film in the middle of nowhere, I mean, it's it's incredible. He pulled off something really cool and he managed to prove himself, which led to a career and some really cool films, honestly. So kudos to whoever gave him that shot. I think that this paved the way for many Aussie directors to come and inspired lots of people. Uh, it's 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 really cool, and I think that it showed that you can do a lot with a little. So, and and I only say that because even though they had a bigger budget, a lot of it went to the pig. Absolutely, for one measly second. Yeah. Uh, some takeaways from the film. I think that the uh, the Baker brothers are absolutely terrifying, and that even the pig takes a backseat to them in some scenes. Uh, they're absolutely terrifying. Their portrayal of those characters is so on point. And sometimes you almost like lose track of what they're doing on screen because they're just everywhere and so far out there. But they always manage to somehow reel you back in and it all makes sense. And it's really rad. Even those scenes whenever we're inside their little den and stuff and uh, Dicko shoots the fucking hanging bird that's stuffed there. It's it's just all crazy. But uh, it's all in an effort to, to spook them a little bit. And, 
it's 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 really 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 fucking rad and i do uh we didn't mention the kangaroo hunting scene uh during this review but i do want to mention that uh like him sleeping on the dead kangaroo is so star wars and uh <laughs> then that that little weird thing that happens afterwards it's yeah it's it's such a rad film it's such a unique film and i think that uh like I said, it had to inspire some of the crazier nightmare stuff that happened afterwards because some of the stuff yep. that goes on, it's 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 really trippy. And I love it. I, I absolutely it, love this film. Even the transition scenes, like there's a couple of transition scenes there in, in the edit, like yes. where Dicko shoots the stubby on the road and then it cuts to the bus. It's just so simple and yet so effective. The door, the door yep. opening and then uh, the oil pump. Yep. That's really cool too. There's just so much cool stuff. And I think it's because again, these people who are so used to doing something completely different were able to take that medium and have a, a bigger, have it on a bigger scale. And like even Mulkey said, like a lot of people didn't question him. It was the same type of situation that he dealt with whenever he shot his music videos that he just kind of did, 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 and nobody really questioned it. And of course here he did, 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 and then fucking Warner Brothers did whatever they wanted and afterwards. So that's what we got here. Yep. Overall though, it still looks great. Yeah. And I think that's what he was really aiming for. If you, if, if it's going to be a weak story, at least it's going to look fucking fantastic. Absa motherfucking fruitly brother. Okay. So rating. How many giant bloodthirsty hogs is this worthy, Brody? Well, where to begin? I'm going to have to give it a 4.7. Okay. I'm going to give it a 4.25. That is a lights, camera, exploitation score of 4.5 giant bloody thirsty hogs out of 5. Ooh, not bad indeed. Yeah, that's not bad at all for 1984's Razorback. Next week, Slick Nick will be back joining us for The Green Room, which is his pick, featuring Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart, Professor Xavier, all the good stuff. Brody, talk about that film. Yeah, well, I think it's a film that was produced by A24 and... It was definitely one of those ones that took me by surprise when I uh, first watched it. Um, the violence in this film is so realistic. It, um, I, I can't praise this film enough. I think it's fucking one of the best in the last 10 years. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, and it, it also has the late, great uh, Anton Yelchin, is it? Anton yes, uh, the guy from Star Trek that sadly passed away due to that Jeep malfunction. Yes, that's correct. So please tune in for next week's episode because it's going to be a bloody doozy. Yeah, fucking A. I'm excited. I've never seen the film. I actually just got it in today. So I uh, probably will be watching it sometime next week before we record again. Shout out to uh, Paul Ashford for recording with us yesterday, even though the voices didn't pick up properly. Uh, he is from Ghoulies Unflushed, who is one of the podcasts over on the Project Louder podcasting network. Speaking of that, we are a proud member of Project Louder, home to such podcasts as the Big Bad Beetle Bros, which is a podcast that goes through episode by episode of the TV show from the 90s, Big Bad Beetle Borgs. It's an absolute crazy ride and a show, and I highly recommend it. Bonehead Weekly, those are the uh, newest additions to the Project Louder family. Those are three dudes that sit around and talk about movies. Box Office Banner, that's a Facebook and YouTube show. Those are four dudes that talk around, ta uh, sit around and talk about movies as well, but in a definitely completely different format. It's fun. Comics and Kaijus, hosted by Matt Sterling and Austin Albin and the double chin Kaijin himself, Cameron Miller. That is a show where they review giant monster movies from other countries and comic books of all sorts. And then, we, of course, we have Ghoulies Unflushed, which is your official, unofficial Ghoulies podcast, hosted by Graham Leneve Painter, the world-famous author, and, of course, our very own lovely Paul Ashford. And of course, Goran Moore. Hosted by myself, Chad, Chrisman, Big Johnny D, and Bobby Amone. And guesting every week is our very own doppelganger, Kangabanga, Mr. Brody Kane. 
Yo, 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 yo. Yours truly. Yes. Fucking A. Then Steve's somewhat supernatural podcast. That is just a fun little one there that is, you know, every podcast network has to have a supernatural one. And we got the best one. So, yeah, fucking A. Then, we call, of course, we got the TJ Bowser Power Hour. It's where I do all my interviews and stuff. Got to get that booted back up again. It's been focused too much on stuff. And, of course, Wrestling Ruined, talking about the worst years of wrestling each and every month. I ordered it every, every, every other week, I think, they're releasing an episode. Yeah, it's cool stuff, guys. Go check it out over on ProjectLouder.net and anywhere else you listen to audio-only content, whether that be Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or audible i appreciate you listening to this podcast brody i think that that's it yes and it was a very fun episode mr bowser i really enjoyed it yeah it was a it was a good time and uh, i'm so happy that uh we were able to get this done and get it done right uh <laughs> a load of stress taken yeah. off my back especially having a uh, equipment malfunction the way it did and then us uh having you know not being able to have that third host there but i think we did uh manage to uh to pull one off absolutely and these things happen at the end yeah. of the day so we can't really kick ourselves down too much so yeah it's a good time mate so awesome. we will see you guys next week on the next episode of lights camera exploitation this is your host with the motherfucking most signing off this is your dkb all the way from down under saying Bye-bye.